This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's August the 12th, 2022. And wow, you guys, what a conversation we have for you awesomes today. I am joined by my dear friend and my longtime co-host, Kelly Gordon. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Meg. Hi, awesomes. I'm really excited about this conversation because we are tackling a pretty big question today. And Kelly, I feel like some of our best conversations, both on mic and off, start with like a big question, like a big thing that somebody needs to grapple through, navigate, break it down. And I think sometimes as we just like process through things together, we end up going like, oh my gosh, that's so true. And I never thought about it that way, right? Exactly. Yes. And I feel like the question today, which comes courtesy and awesome, it was one of those things that initially you brought it to the team and said, hey, this is just like, it was a logistical question, right? There was a past episode. uh What was that episode? Yeah. And then we started to talk about the meat of the question. And we were like, oh, but that's, and then that goes there. And then you know what? Yes. I think that this is one of those, I feel like we've been doing a few of these types of shows where we sit down and we're like, if we were really sitting at a coffee shop Mm -hmm. and somebody mentioned this, this is what you would, all of you and your friends would have stories to contribute and thoughts and how does this apply to you? So I'm excited about this conversation because I think it will have the same effect to everybody listening. I really do. And I think that even if this is not speaking to you in this moment, it's probably something you have grappled with in the past or Mm -hmm. you will. So we're going to be looking at the question of kind of like, who am I, if not this? So when we go through a big change, a big transition in life, maybe we've left a job, maybe we had to give up a hobby that was really meaningful to us, or maybe we moved to a different community. Maybe we did something like pretty big, like leaving the religion we grew up in, whatever the circumstance might be, these big changes, these big transitions can sometimes trigger like a little bit of an identity crisis or maybe Kelly, sometimes big ones. (laughs) Yes. You know, this is a moment in time as people are getting ready for back to school. Kelly, you and I both know lots of teachers are leaving the classroom. Mm -hmm. And then there are people Mm -hmm. who are taking place in the classroom that they've never been teachers before. Like there's a lot of transition happening always around the start of school. Yes. Just transition right now. I feel like everybody, because of the last few years of the pandemic living, wherever you've been, however it's affected you, I know so many people who are like, wow, we're just in transition all the time. Yes. You know, like whether it upended your job, maybe you're going back to the office now this fall, or like you said, you were a teacher and now you're just like, I cannot. Mm -hmm. And that was a big part of your identity. Yeah. I know a lot of moms who are sending kids to college. Yes. You know, maybe or out into the world for the first time. And so you're like, well, who am I if I'm not a mom? Mm -hmm. There's so many ways to look at this when you say, 
We naturally gravitate toward those things that are important to us and that we enjoy doing or that just take up a lot of time in our lives. And so when some of those things change, when we're in a big transition, then what? Exactly. Exactly. You have navigated this. I know I have. We have a lot to dig into and we will hear in just a bit. I'm Meg Teets and this is Sorta Awesome. Welcome back, Awesomes, to the show that is all about helping you find conversation, friendship, and community. We are so thrilled to tell you that you have found yourself in one of the best places in the world if you're looking for support, friendship, and ways to make your life just a little bit better, a little more awesome. I have to take just a minute to give a big, huge shout out to our Sorta Awesome superstars. These are our Awesomes who support us on Patreon. And if you are grateful for the ongoing joy, that little extra bit of gold sparkle that Sorta Awesome brings you in your life, you really have the superstars to thank for that. Not only do they bring that listener support to the show, they're really the heartbeat of our community. It's where we most often turn to for feedback, for ideas, for inspiration. Superstars, we love you so much. We have all kinds of benefits, just so much awesome for our superstars, including you have access to ad-free episodes. You have bonus episodes to check out, literally years worth of bonus episodes that have never been heard on The Made Show. You get a number to text with us, share your thoughts with us about what's being discussed on the podcast or in the community. And for the very first time, we are doing a book club conversation in September. We're going to be discussing the book. I mean, I'm so excited about this, Kelly. I cannot wait. This is not a book about Benedict Cumberbatch, The Joy of Loving Something, Anything Like Your Life Depends on It by Tabitha Carvin. So, this book, if you Dig the sort of awesome, often repeated phrase, love what you love. You guys, this book is just a complete celebration of that. As I read this book, I couldn't stop myself. I was like, I've got to talk to our people about this. It's so good. So we're going to have our first ever superstar book club conversation. That's coming up in September. So right now, August is a great time to come and join the Patreon, come get settled into life as a superstar and get ready for that conversation coming up in September. I'm so excited. So Kelly, we do have so much to talk about today when it comes to how do we even begin to answer this question of like, who am I if I'm not this? We have some thoughts, some personal experiences from our lives that we want to share, some wisdom from others. So we're going to get to that in just a few minutes. But Kelly, first, let's go ahead and start this show the way we always do with our Awesomes of the Week. If you're new to Sorta Awesome, Awesome of the Week is the moment in the show where we stop and talk about whatever is making life a little bit more awesome right now, whether it's a book or a TV show, a movie, maybe a product, maybe a new podcast you're listening to, just something bringing that gold sparkle to your days. Kelly, what do you have for us this week? Oh my gosh, the words gold sparkle are exactly what typifies my Awesome of the Week. Perfect. Let's hear it. Yeah. I'm looking at it on my screen right here. And I was like, that's what it is. Okay, you guys, I am bringing you something that I discovered last summer. And I really wanted to bring it as an Awesome of the Week earlier this year in the summer, except that I wasn't sure it was going to come back at Costco. And that was where I found it. Okay. But it's not just at Costco. So you could get it anywhere. It is Mama Mango Moscato. Oh, so tell me more. So the reason that I think so I discovered it via a friend who bought it. 
And then I was like, okay, that was amazing. I'm going to go to Costco. And it was like, it's like $5.99 a bottle at Costco. It's ridiculously cheap. Okay. But even if you're going to go to a regular liquor store, it looks like it's probably no more than $10 to $12. Okay. Yeah. Regular bottle of Moscato. So it's a sparkling kind of sweet wine. It's got mango puree and some chunks in it. Dang. Okay. That's the sparkle. That's the summerness of it, right? Yes. It's got that mangoness in it. So it's really like drinking a mango. What's the word I'm looking for? The orange juice in champagne uh, for breakfast. Mimosa. mimosa. Yes. So it's like drinking a mango mimosa okay. is what this is, but it's made for you. You don't have to make it because it's got the mango juice, and the mango puree in there. So it is so light and crisp, okay. but sweet, of course, very sweet. So if you don't like sweet wines, what you probably have to do is top this off with something that's a drier, sure. sparkling, yeah. or just white wine and do it that way because this is pretty sweet, just like a mimosa would be. Okay. But it is so good and so perfect for those summer occasions when you're like, I just want a little something, yes. especially like if you're hosting a brunch because it's easy, it's there, it's done for you. Right. But even an afternoon, like a little happy hour, a cocktail hour with your friends, it is so good. And I think it's kind of a nice one. I'm going to, I mean, I already, I already have <laughs> stocked up so much, you guys, because last summer, once I discovered it, and then I went to Costco and I bought like two bottles uh-huh. and I went up and you know, the Costco people, they know, oh, yes. they know what's good. It's they like the Trader Joe's people. Yeah. And they're like, oh my word, that stuff is amazing. And I'm like, right. <laughs> I just had it at a friend's house and I didn't, she told me. And they're like, that stuff sells like crazy. So the next time I went there, I was like, how many can I fit in my cart? <laughs> You know, because they go so fast. How many am I allowed to buy? <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. Can I just like one of these whole boxes of 12? Like, shoo, like into, I mean, it is Costco. So this year I went in June, like excited about it, thinking I'm going to tell the awesomes about this. I need to refresh. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have it. No. And so I went to the front and I was like, you, you guys, what's, where's the mango <laughs> stuff? And they're like, it's coming. Okay. It's coming. So the next time I went, it was in and like, there was rejoicing. I grabbed like as many bottles yeah. as I could fit under my arm and I went up front. <laughs> They're like, I know. They're like, yeah, we've all been doing it too. Like we can only buy so many bottles a day, but we like, even the Costco people are like stocking up. It's great to go into the fall, at least for me. Yes. And you guys know summer is like my favorite. So I just want to extend it. I want to extend it as much as I can. For sure. So I'm going to be taking it into the fall and then, you know, like it's going to run out. I'm sure you could still get Mama Mango year round at liquor stores. Yeah. Yeah. But This is a summer treat. I mean, even for me, I'm like, you just can't. Once it starts to get chilly, if you need a sweater, you shouldn't be drinking mama mango. You need to transition to something else. Go get your coffee. You know, like, you you know, your pumpkin spice latte. That's the season. This is the drink for summer. So highly recommend that you check it out. It is really easy just to split a bottle with a friend because it is so light. And because there's so much juice, it like that's the kind of warning. I mean, it's got a pretty low alcohol content, but it's, you know, easy to drink a lot and not be aware of how much you're drinking. <laughs> okay. Thank you for the heads up on that. I've heard. This is what I've yes. heard. From so friends. that we can all check ourselves before we wreck ourselves with exactly, <laughs> the exactly. Mama Mango. <laughs> yeah. Mama Mango Moscato. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. I Actually, this is got it. perfect timing. It's absolutely Kismet because I've got to go to Costco this very week. <gasps> so I will check it out while I'm there, Kelly. Yay. Yes, I hope you find so it. So great. So great. Okay. 
Well, my awesome of the week is one that so you get your mama mango moscato or whatever beverage you might like. Mm -hmm. You guys, I've got a great new podcast to tell you about. And I think this is going to be so up the alley of so many of our awesomes. And I say that with confidence because one of the co-hosts of this new podcast is a sort of awesome favorite, Jen Hoffman, who has come to the show several times to talk us through various things, help us kind of get our mindset in the right place. That's one of Jen's like missions in life is helping people not just through her healthy moving programs, but also in working in mindset work and helping us just frame our days really to bring out the awesome, although she may not always use that word. <laughs> and Jen is a superstar awesome and just a very, very dear friend of mine. And I am loving this new podcast that she has launched with her friend, Lauren Gaggioli. And Kelly, I think you're going to be super into the whole context for this new podcast. It's yeah, tell me more. I adore Jen yes. Hoffman. Every episode that she's been on sort of awesome. If you guys haven't listened to them, maybe we should put links in the show yes. notes. Because they are so good and they are so encouraging. Yes. And they really do. It's a mindset thing. It's like, she's just like, this is how we're going to do things. Mm -hmm. And she pulls you right along. Yes, absolutely. I have learned so much. So many of the things that she said on this podcast are things that I still think about. I won't go into all of that because that's not what we're here to talk about. Yeah. But her wisdom is just like top notch. Okay. So again, the name of the new podcast is Magical Mindset Moments. And their thing is they want to guide parents through mindset lessons, both she and Lauren. But Kelly, the way they're doing it is they're taking these lessons that you might find embedded in like Disney stories. <gasps> yes. What? Disney. So brilliant. Yes. Disney films, whether animated or not, and just like taking the characters and just doing this thing that I love to do. And this is like the old English teacher in me, just finding the application of this character does this and what can we learn from that? They're doing that in Disney films, taking characters from the films, these films that all of us know, The Little Mermaid. I mean, everything from like the classic, classic Disney movies all the way up to the modern era. They just did one with Encanto. So it's just if you are the kind of person that you're sitting there and you're watching the same Disney movie over <laughs> and over and over again. And but you start to think like, oh, my gosh, you know, this really applies to this thing that's like, I've realized this now as a parent, or I used to see it this way when I was a teenager. It's just like, it is actually magical. So the name of the podcast is Magical Mindset Moments. And it is magical the way they pull these ideas and lessons and mindsets out. And it's all about enriching our families and our, the dynamics in our families and what can we learn and how can we apply it. Their voices are dreamy, made for audio. Both of them are a delight to listen to. And the wisdom that they're sharing, I have just been absolutely eating this up. So I want you to check it out, Kelly. I think you'll So really how like long it. are the episodes? Like I'm imagining that they're not an hour. No, are they? No, they okay. are not. They are not. They're about 30-ish minutes. Okay. And so definitely not as much of a commitment as starting a sort of awesome episode. <laughs> you <Especially> never lately. <laughs> you never know how long we're going to keep you as we just keep talking. No, but they're very listenable. Again, they're made for parents. And you could even listen with your kids, too, because mm -hmm. one thing that they do is they have a sort of a takeaway question. They call it the big think in every episode where you can take the things that they're talking about and sort of journal through or talk through with your family, like what the lesson is that they're talking about. And so they really have set it up to bring enrichment to families in a way that's really fun and is very, very relatable. So yeah, really approachable because yes. who hasn't watched these movies? 
And the idea that, and the thing I think that could probably happen, even if the podcast is for parents and you listen, Mm -hmm. you know, by yourself, but these ideas trickle out, right? It's like with the next time the movie's on, maybe you drop a little, oh, you know, that made me think about this, especially if you have kids who are not preschoolers, you know, who are interested in those sorts of things. Yeah. It could really trickle down to the whole family. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's called Magical Mindset Moments. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Spotify, your favorite podcast app, just wherever you listen to your podcast, look up Magical Mindset Moments. Of course, we'll have a link in the show notes so you guys can go check it out. So I'm very excited and very proud of Jen. And I think that you guys... Congratulations to Jen. Yeah. I think you guys are really going to be into it. So those are our awesomes of the week this week. We always love to hear what is awesome in your life. So please do come and find us. Social media is a great place to tell us about what's awesome in your life, whether it is on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show or over in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group. As we round out summer and head into the school year, you know you need the support of other awesomes who are going to direct you in the right ways on this path into a new school year. So come and find us. Just search Sorta Awesome Hangout on Facebook. You can find us there. We would love to have you. Kelly, can't wait to get into this conversation because I know this is something, like I said at the top of the show, you and I both have navigated and I'm looking forward to kind of breaking it down with you. So we're going to get to all of that when we come right back. Hey friends, the past few days, I have been listening to the brand new Lily Chu book, The Comeback. And that means that everywhere I go with me, I not only have my phone, but also my Raycon earbuds, the love of my listening life. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. You guys, they have these optimized gel tips. They will give you the perfect in-ear fit. I have tried so many pairs of earbuds over the years. My Raycons are the earbuds that just do not budge. I have got to tell you one of my very favorite things about my Raycon earbuds. With Raycon, you get three sound profiles so you can absolutely customize your listening experience. There's the pure sound mode. That is the one that I use almost all the time because it's great for listening to podcasts and audiobooks. They also offer a balanced sound mode that levels the sound profile for all around performance, warmth, and depth. This is perfect for people who like to listen to a lot of music, fire up your favorite playlist, and you're going to get amazing sound. And they also have the bass sound. This is for bass boosted sound. Perfect if you like to listen to EDM, hip hop, R&B, you're going to get an amazing experience. I love my Raycon so much. I had to buy a pair for Kyle too, and he absolutely loves them and he's kind of picky, you guys. So awesome. Go to buyraycon.com slash sorta today to get 15% off of your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash sorta to get 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash sorta. Awesomes, it's time for us to sit down and have a heart to heart talk just for the grown up awesomes who are listening. Okay, here's the deal. I'm here to tell you that having a pleasure practice is so good for you. You guys, it can improve the quality of your sleep, help you de stress, it relieves pain, it even gives you that lit from within glow as you go about your day. But most importantly, exploring your pleasure on your own helps you get in touch with yourself and learn more about what you like. That's right. That means it leads to better sex. So check out AIR. AIR is the suction vibrator from Dame Products. AIR is a powerful arousal tool for fans of oral stimulation, and Dame's AIR creates thrilling pulses of air and a soft seal around your most sensitive parts so you can go all the way right away. Not only is it perfect... 
and I do mean perfect for beginners. It's also waterproof and features five intensities and five vibration patterns so you can explore what works best for you. And the amazing part is that Dame offers hassle-free returns within 60 days, so your satisfaction is literally guaranteed. This is all a brand new world to me, but I can tell you that Dame Products makes it so easy and so approachable, and they're so supportive in helping you get started in finding the product that is the perfect fit for you. So go to dameproducts.com today and use code AWESOME for 15% off site-wide. That's code AWESOME to take 15% off of your first order at dameproducts.com and use code AWESOME. Okay, Awesomes, today we are really processing through and kind of telling stories and thinking about in a big way, this question of like, who am I if I'm not this? Again, looking at these moments in life where either we choose to make a big transition or sometimes our external circumstances kind of force our hand and we have to make a big transition, a big change in life. And Kelly, you mentioned this at the top of the show, one of our awesomes reached out to us via message on Instagram and was asking about, you know, past conversation that we had had. It was actually, Kelly, about what, a time when you had to make a job change and how we might have had a conversation about that on sort of awesome. But this particular awesome who reached out to us is needing to make a big change in life that specifically has to do with her job, transitioning away from the job that she has been doing seeking out some time to recover from some extreme burnout that has happened in her life. It's impacted her health. And, you know, she's kind of contemplating taking some time away, wondering how do you go about explaining this to family and friends? How do you reconsider your own view of yourself when you no longer are defined by that work role that has been so important to you? So that really got us thinking about how we all tend to do this. We all tend to be defined by our work, our roles, sometimes even the labels that we put on our own selves, the ways that we self-identify, we can get so just like so, I don't want to say trapped, but like so invested in this category we put ourselves in that when we choose to or have to put ourselves in different categories, it can be a little bit scary and feel a little bit unawesome, honestly. Kelly, you've made some big transitions in life. And so I'm just wondering, like, what story comes to mind for you from your life as you think about some of those big changes that kind of triggered that identity crisis a little bit? Yeah. And I think that maybe the awesome who sent the question was actually looking or she was thinking about this story, which I've probably shared in snippets before on the podcast. But it was all the way back from when I was in my 20s and I was working as a producer in San Diego at NBC. And I loved my job. And maybe we should even go back a little bit further, just so that people know. I am one of those weird people that really kind of decided late high school, as I was working on the newspaper at my high school, like somebody recruited me for that. I wasn't really interested in it. I think I was just looking for a way to get involved because I was only at my high school for a couple of years. I didn't know a lot of people. And I really liked it. And I think I saw an outlet for writing, which was something that I was just naturally good at. So I was, there was like a gifting there that other people had pointed out. And so what I really saw quickly was like balance between writing, journalism, and then also TV, Mm -hmm. which I had always wanted to be like an actor when I was really young. Like I loved acting. Mm -hmm. I was involved with that. I was like, what if I moved to LA? But just knowing that that's probably not really where I could make a living, you know, like it's, it's hard to make a living that way. Mm -hmm. You usually have to have some extra super big qualities or else you're just going to kind of, you know, like you can do it. I have friends who are professional actors and that's their living, but it's hard. Yes. You have to be really scrappy. Oh, yeah. Um, because you're working lots of different jobs that always, mm-hmm. you know, 
always trying. So anyway, I took all those things, went into college and just knew like I always wanted to do journalism. I wanted to do TV news. Mm -hmm. And so through an internship, that was where I kind of went from being a reporter to being a producer who is more behind the scenes. But like I was living the dream. This is what I had wanted. It was always what I had worked toward. I really did love being a producer at NBC, but it was also very, very taxing. The hours that I worked, the management that I worked under at the time, they were not good managers. You're like, I was too young. I was 26. Oh, yeah. Like to understand that they weren't good managers, Mm -hmm. you know, like to have that perspective. Yes. I was just trying, trying my best and was really getting burned out. So I reached a point and I've told this story before where I was working nights and I kind of was like, maybe if I just crash my car gently... I could like sleep in the hospital, which is a big red flag. Yes. Yes. The things are not going well. If you're considering like how wonderful it would be to be in the hospital and just to have nobody need you and not be able to call on you. So I kind of decided then that I was going to need to make a change to something. But I also, in a very uncharacteristic ENFP7 move, decided to not do it immediately. Okay. To stay and just keep working at the job and look and not like quit tomorrow. Yeah. And go find something. So I did that and I worked in this job for about a year as I looked. And eventually I did find a different job. It was going to be a part-time job. So this was a change too, because I was like, I feel like I didn't have kids, but I just need more time in my life. Yeah. And where Corey and I were, he was very supportive of that. I'm like, if somebody can be here to do the laundry and to, you know, take the dogs on a walk and to do the grocery shopping. So we're not all trying to do everything in our two barely days off mm-hmm. um, when we haven't even seen each other all week because we worked opposite shifts. Yeah. So I was going to do that at a Christian college working in media relations. It was a great step. It was perfect. And honestly, that job, when I found it and heard about it, I went in so cocky, not my normal thing. Like I went into that interview and they were like, why do you think you should have the job? And I was like, because I was made for this job and I am the person <laughs> nice. you should hire. I love like, it. <laughs> I was like, this is like literally everything you said here this is me. This is me. This is me. And it would be a mistake for you not to hire me. And like the person, he, he yes. was a really great boss. Yeah. And so he laughed and I was like, this is not who I normally am. I'm usually <laughs> very people pleasing Midwestern nice. So all of that to say here, I was making a change into something else that was really good in what I had wanted. Mm-hmm. And then, you know what happened? Hmm. The day that I said to NBC that I was not going to work there, I cried all night long and didn't sleep. Oh, yeah. And it surprised me because I was like, what the heck? Yeah. Like, what? You're you going wanted to, something. to leave this. Yeah. You, this is you. You're making this decision. Mm-hmm. You know why you're making the decision. Why are you a mess? I was a mess. Mm. And I found out that I was a lot more enmeshed with my job than I thought I was. Yeah, exactly. And my job seemed pretty cool. And so not only was it a thing that I enjoyed on one hand, but also it made me look cool Mm. to people outside. Yeah. You know, when I said I'm a producer at the NBC station in San Diego, people were like, well, that's cool. Tell me more. I wasn't, I'm a stay at home mom or I mean, like, again, there's nothing wrong with that or an accountant. Like it just seemed like a glamorous sort of job that people wanted to hear more about. Yes. And there were tons of outside perks. Like I got tickets to Disneyland for free. I got shows, you know, like there were all this stuff restaurant openings, things that I got to go to. Yeah. But as an ordinary person, I would never get to do. No. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I'm going to go back to being an ordinary person. <laughs> I'm going back Am to, I ready? I'm going back to being a normal. <laughs> I'm a normal. I'm like, yeah. You know me that joke with Corey all the time because he's a grand poobot in the airlines. Like, you know, oh, just like yes. the person back in coach. Yeah. Just back in coach in the middle seat again. So <laughs> that was a big, it was an interesting, I wouldn't even say wake up call. 
it was an interesting observation to me to say, even in the time when I made the conscious decision, I was moving from something that I had kind of enjoyed. Mm -hmm. I mean, for sure, there was lots that I did enjoy about producing to something else that I knew I would enjoy. I still had this, oh, like I had so closely identified myself. Who am I if I'm not a producer at NBC? Yep. And so it was a good maturing process for me to say, you are more than this. Yes. And like, you can grieve it. Mm -hmm. You can say that, yes, like I'm sad that this is what happens because I mean, I think it's true for everybody, right? Any choices we make, this is like, sounds like one of the movies that we've talked about this year, but you make a choice in life. It's automatically a no to other things, even if it's a good thing. And I hate that because I hate it so much because I'm a FOMO person, but it is, it's just reality what it is. So, you know, giving yourself time to grieve was important. But for me, I think it was just a real experience of grieving something and recognizing that to walk away from something has to be a new definition of who I am and how I view myself and how other people view me and me being okay with how other people view me. Absolutely. And I think that you really hit the nail on the head is that sometimes we do not even realize how you said enmeshed invested, like we have come to so closely identify these roles. Again, whatever it may be, maybe it is work for a lot of people. I think in our very like Protestant work Mm -hmm. ethic driven culture, (laughs) I do think that work is something that is very profoundly meaningful to so many people. And for that to change is huge, but also it can be changes of role in dynamic in families I know for my dad, as he's grieving the loss of my mom earlier this year, another thing he's had to navigate is he was her caregiver for so many years, so many years, his whole like his schedule, whether he said yes or no to something, what he did with his time in his day revolved around caring for her. Of course, they had other helpers coming in, but that was really how he identified was as a caregiver for her. And it's like totally pulled the rug out from under him to not have that role anymore. And so it can be, you know, even in family dynamics. And my story is definitely more family oriented. I know I've told this story before, but just to kind of like revisit it, probably one of the biggest identity crisis feelings that I've had was after our twins were born. They're now nine. This seems like so long ago on the one hand. On the other hand, like I can just go back there in my mind so fast because it was such an emotional time for Mm -hmm. me. So our twins were born when my older girls were eight and five. And so, you know, I was not new to this mothering thing by any stretch. But beginning when our oldest, Daisy, was born, well, I say beginning with, probably about six months into parenting her, I came across this whole realm that I think was extremely, it felt very underground back in 2005, Kelly. Now it's yes, very... It was the world of message boards. Yes. Like you, you were just starting to find ways yes. to be able to connect with people right? outside of your real life yes. circle. Via the internet, via message boards, I found this world of natural family, parenting, natural family, living that was very, very focused on like attachment parenting. And so a lot of practices like co-sleeping and baby wearing and cloth diapering, which is kind of, that was my gateway into it. Extended breastfeeding, all of these 
practices that were kind of outward symbols or outward, you know, ways to identify what kind of parent you were. And here I was a brand new parent and was really kind of struggling to find who I was as a mom. And finding this community gave me a place to be like, okay, this is me. This is the kind of parent I am. And I have all of these practices that both are helpful for me and they signal to other people that she's that kind of mom, right? And so that's, I found that after Daisy was born, I absolutely continued to parent that way after AJ was born a couple of years later and really just identified myself. I mean, my blog was called sort of crunchy. It was just like all about crunchy life and living in our home. So I later get pregnant with the twins, completely, absolutely plan. It never crossed my mind that I would be any kind of parent except the kind of mom I had already been with the cloth diapering and the breastfeeding and baby wearing and all of those things. So having twins, Kelly, little newsflash for you, the news producer, (laughs) it's a little different than having a single baby. (laughs) So I've heard. (laughs) And it absolutely knocked me back on my heels. Now, I did not know at the time that I was also, in addition to navigating parenting two infants at the same time, I was also deep, deep, deep in the trenches of postpartum depression. And I do actually think that this is all kind of connected because I soon discovered that breastfeeding twins Mm. was not where I had always had overabundant supply with breast milk and just like could pump. And there was just milk everywhere for like months after the girls were born. (laughs) And I could not keep my supply up with the twins. It was so much nursing all the time. And I just couldn't keep it up. And by the time they were six months old, they were totally weaned onto formula. And that was so hard for me. Now, I knew logically and still know to this day, there's absolutely nothing wrong with formula. It's a great way to nourish and feed your babies. For me, though, it was so outside of the box I had put myself in. Yep, yep. The cloth diapering, Kelly, I was all of a sudden drowning in everyone's laundry all of the time. I couldn't keep up with cloth diapering. Only one of the twins liked to be worn in a slinger carrier, Mac, the one who hated it, really hated it. (laughs) And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to put these babies in a stroller, (laughs) which is like a totally normal thing to do. (laughs) You're like, ah, I'm in a stroller. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Who am I with these babies in a stroller? (laughs) It's really hard. I can laugh about it now, but Honestly, it was just like everything that was so important to me and also that I felt like made me who I was as a mother. I couldn't do it. I couldn't mentally do it. I couldn't physically do it. I couldn't emotionally do it. And that I really do think was very, very much kind of swirled in the experience of postpartum depression for me was just like I didn't know how to to mother. And it's not that I didn't know how. It was just like I was discovering like, okay, if I can't do it this way, if I can't breastfeed, I mean, both girls I breastfed Mm -hmm. until they were like two. And here I am with these infants. And I'm like, for the first time, like, okay, well, what formula do you use? Like, how do bottles work? Literally. And I've been parenting for like eight years already, but I had no idea how bottles work. And so as I was finding these new things and like, okay, this is how you do it. And this like actually works and they're gaining weight and they're doing great. It like maybe like reassess my whole world. Like I always thought that this was the way to go about parenting the 
I would have stopped short of saying right way, but I would have said the way that feels right to me. And to have that all just completely taken away was so difficult and really was the first time that I realized, oh my gosh, I was so invested. I was so, so deeply identified with the kind of mother that I was, that I was just flailing absolutely after the twins were born. It's so interesting, isn't it, that we sometimes aren't even aware yes. of how deeply invested we are in these things until they change, mm-hmm. you know, which is so true about so many things. I think, you know, our expectations aren't met and then we recognize that we have them, Yes, you know, like yes. we wouldn't have been able to verbalize them before, but when they're not met, then we're like, oh, I actually thought the family trip would look like this mm-hmm. and that's not how it's going. And now I'm disappointed. Yeah. So I think this is one of those things that can creep up on us. And I know that you and I, as we prepared for this episode, we want to be very careful to say these aren't bad things. No. You know, like it's not a problem to, I think enmeshed is an actual word that the psychology community uses to say that you've tipped into an unhealth, you know, like it's like codependent in that sense of like it's now you need to pull back a little Mm -hmm, bit, mm -hmm. but the idea that you would closely identify with values, with things that bring you life, with how you are moving through the world is not a bad thing. Like we all do that. I think that what we're trying to bring attention to here is what happens when life shifts, Mm -hmm. when you make a change, when life makes a change on you and you recognize that, oh, oh, yes, I can't do that anymore. In fact, I was going to ask you, because I know that I love the example of the twins actually, because it's so relatable. But like when you quit teaching, you were Mm -hmm. a teacher for years. And like you said, there's so many people who have had to leave teaching, not because they don't love teaching, Mm -hmm. but because they are completely burned out or the environment that they are in right now is just too hard and their hearts are broken. Yes. So I was like, that isn't necessarily your story of when you left, but was that a difficult transition for you to no longer be a high school teacher? Why did you quit teaching? Was it because Daisy was born? Yes, because I had gotten pregnant with Daisy and that one was a little bit of an easier transition for me because I had kind of already planned in my mind when I was teaching, Kyle was finishing his graduate work and we had kind of planned that when he got his first full-time coaching job that I would transition home. And the timing just happened to work out that when he did get hired that spring back in 2004, that that was, and he went ahead and moved to a different community where he'd be coaching and I finished up teaching there. So like I had like a buffer time to prepare yeah. for it. I will say <laughs> once we got moved and I was fully like I was big pregnant with Daisy, I did still miss teaching so much that I subbed in the schools in our area just because I was at home and I was like, well, the baby's not here yet. And I miss being around kids. I miss teaching. And so I kind of like created a little transition time for me where I wasn't full time teaching, but I was still at school and I was still doing some teaching and stuff. So it is hard to step away from something, especially if you don't have that plan of like, eventually I'd like to go on and do this. If it's more abrupt, Mm-hmm. then I think that that can really cause a little bit of a spin out for us. Right. Well, and I think about so many people and we've talked on this podcast about, I mean, the popular word for it these days is deconstruction, mm-hmm. but like a faith shift. Yes. And I think that that's part of what makes that so hard for people is that if you have, and man, you guys, I have seen people say sometimes on Twitter And people I like, and I have pushback against it, say, I think that the people who are deconstructing are people who would never really believe in the first place. Like they were just on the fringe. Yeah. And I'm like, actually, I think it's the exact opposite. Right. Everybody I know who is deconstructed, 
were like in it to win it. Yes. Like they were in the youth group. They went to church three times a week. Like, yes, this is not the fringe people. No. These are the people who were solid, yeah. who went to the Christian college. Like they're the ones struggling because in my opinion, there's a lot of disconnect mm-hmm. when you are in that and you believe it so much. And then you see behind the curtain. Yeah. Those are the people who struggle. So, but when you're struggling with something that you have, I mean, this was the whole literal reason for you to live. Yes. Like this answered every yes. question. Mm-hmm. And you start to shift that and you don't know what's going to happen after that. Right. Because what you've been told is to leave the mm-hmm. fold is to enter into complete and utter darkness. Right. You yeah. know, and where you have no purpose and like there is no love. And mm-hmm. and so it's so hard for people when they're saying, well, I do need to question, like I can't be dishonest with myself, but also like what I could be giving up here, like to pull at this sweater yeah. could mean that I am in the darkness of winter without a sweater anymore. Right. Like it's scary. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of what makes that process, I think, so extra frightening and hard for people is this exact thing of like, who am I mm-hmm. if I am not yes. a pastor? Mm-hmm. In fact, I have a friend here in the Twin Cities who she is going to be leaving. She's been a pastor for years. She's burned out. There's lots of different reasons. She's going to a writing job. It's going to be a great fit for her. But I know that she's struggling with this right now. Yes. Who am I if I'm not a pastor? Yes. Like this is how I have seen myself. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just going to go to a job. Mm-hmm. Like it's right. It's good. But I'm leaving that. Right. And then like you said, like I even have friends who things have transpired in their bodies. Yes. Yes. That was not a choice right. that they made. You know, there is something that happens. My best friend from childhood was diagnosed with MS mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. So, you know, she, she has been so honest about the struggle of not being able to move right now yes. the way that she used mm-hmm. to and not looking like herself and not feeling in her own skin comfortable yeah. and saying like, I don't know what the new normal is going to be. I'm in transition still. And These things are thrust upon us. And then we have to say, wait, I thought this was what I do. Yeah. And now what? Right. Right. I think that is the heart of, I mean, I'm saying crisis because our pop culture kind of goes, you know, refers to it as like identity crisis, pop psychology Mm -hmm. or whatever. But truly, it can feel like an actual crisis, even if you are only experiencing it inwardly, even if there's no outward sign, it can feel like a, a moment yeah. like that. So we have some ideas that we want to share. Of course, this is this is going to be very personal for every person who's going through it. And so, you know, we, we certainly are not here to be prescriptive with our advice, but we do have some ideas for how we can kind of ease through these transitions and what we might discover on the other side. So we're going to get to all of that when we come right back. All right, Awesomes, it's summer and I know you guys have fired up your grills. You've been out there grilling your burgers, your steaks, your salmon. This summer, you can add some power players to your grilling lineup with ButcherBox. ButcherBox is the subscription service that delivers high quality meat and seafood right to your doorstep. You can choose from carefully curated selections of 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, wild-caught seafood, and more. We just this week got a brand new box of some of our favorite meats from ButcherBox. We opened it up, and to our delight, there was grass-fed beef aplenty. Last night, I'm not exaggerating, last night Kyle pulled out a couple of the ribeyes from ButcherBox, 
cooked them up for us perfectly. And I am here to tell you the taste, you guys. This is unlike any steak you're going to get at the grocery store. You can taste the difference, the quality when you're eating meat from ButcherBox. And the awesome thing about ButcherBox is it is so convenient. Every month, ButcherBox ships a curated selection of high quality meat right to your home. And there's free shipping in the continental US. So get that summer sizzling started with this special ButcherBox deal for our listeners. You're going to get free bacon for life of your membership plus $10 off. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash awesome and use code awesome to get one pack of free bacon in every box for the life of your membership plus $10 off of your first order. That's butcherbox.com slash awesome and use code awesome to claim this deal. Butcherbox.com slash awesome. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we're back. And Kelly, as we were talking about this conversation, you remembered when it comes to burnout specifically, and I love that your story really has that component to it, because my goodness, I know that there are so many people who now that we're having like more conversations, like just about what burnout is, and people are like, Oh, my gosh, that's exactly what I've been going through. You mean there's like a name for it? Like this is a real thing. It's not just me. We had a conversation here on Sort of Awesome pre-pandemic. Bless, I know. bless our hearts. <laughs> you guys, it's episode 193. It's called Stressed Out, Burned Out, and Ready to Recover. And we recorded it in 2019. Yes, yes, we did. We're like, okay, we are really stressed and burned out, but we are ready to recover. It's so funny to look back at those things and just be like, you know, you hear the music being like, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, we because didn't even know. We, we didn't we even didn't know. know it was coming. Yeah, that one. But it does. It's really, really good because it talks about the book Burnout yes. by Emily Nagoski. And subtitle, yeah, subtitle is Burnout, the Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle. Yes, yes. Dr. Emily Nagoski wrote that with her sister as a follow up to so many conversations she encountered mm-hmm. after her first book, Come As You Are which really deals with sexual health and wellness. And she had like one chapter about stress and burnout. And as great as Come As You Are is as a book, and it is, like so many people were coming to her like, can you say more about burnout, please, in the stress cycle? Because this is affecting more than just my sex life. And so she and her sister did to come together and wrote Burnout to talk about like, yes, this is a real thing. I think Kelly and I both would wholeheartedly not only direct you to our sort of awesome conversation about it, but to that book, if you haven't read it and you're recognizing I'm having to make a transition in my life. I'm having to step outside of this role that has defined me because I am so burned out. I just cannot go on and or it's affecting my physical health and Mm -hmm. well-being. My body is insisting that I stop what I am doing and recover. And so when it comes to recovering from burnout, I think Kelly and I both would wholeheartedly direct you to Dr. Nagoski's work for sure. Yes. And in fact, this book partly is inspired by, so Emily and Amelia, who wrote the book together, they're twins. Mm -hmm. And Amelia like physically ended up in the hospital because of her burnout, where Emily is a researcher. And so she was learning like what to do about stress. And so she had some ideas. And, you know, even though they're twins, and I'm sure they talk like, the way Amelia dealt with stress, she is a orchestra conductor, mm-hmm. was 
completely different to the point that it ended up, she ended up like having a breakdown and being in the hospital, right. like with illness. Yes. So yeah, it's a fantastic book to explain why we might be burnt out or why we feel this like constant stress. And again, this was written pre-pandemic. Yes. So I know that like you could find episodes with Emily and Amelia where they talk about it post-pandemic, like how much more important this is. Yes. But also just some like really practical ideas about what you can do if you're dealing with burnout yes. to help complete the stress cycle mm-hmm. to, to in your body so that it's not just weighing on you. In fact, Meg, I'm reading a book right now called, it's really weighty, you guys. I'm, I'm skimming it. I should say I'm not <laughs> reading it. But it's funny. It's called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. Okay. And it's all about stress and anxiety yeah. and what it does to our bodies yeah. and like how animals aren't anticipating uh, the chase. You know, like the antelope mm-hmm. is not anticipating the lion mm-hmm, coming. Mm-hmm. It's just when the lion comes, it reacts. Yeah. And we like as the most evolved mammals, like, you know, we are able to anticipate Interesting. and to even say, well, what if mm-hmm. most other animals don't do that? And it causes the exact same response in our bodies yep. as if we were being chased on the savannah yes. by the lion. Yes. And what that kind of chronic, constant stress does to our physical body wow. is really eye-opening. Yeah. So yes, if you're dealing with actual burnout, we're going to point to that episode, mm-hmm. point to the book, because there are things that you can do, like physical things that you can do that will help you yes. deal with that. Yes. But those, they don't really address the question of identity. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so I think that that brings us back to that question we were kind of grappling with. Who am I if I'm not this? How do we find ourselves again after a big transition? I think one question that comes to mind is like, we might even be wondering how do we handle conversations with other people about this? I would say, Kelly, and feel free to add your thoughts on it too. I think before you start even trying to explain to others... And first of all, I think all of us need a good boundary check and realize like we don't owe people explanations, Yes. <laughs> which if you're on the people pleasing into the spectrum like I am, then we I'm such an over explainer. Even if I have to call and <laughs> change a dentist appointment, I'm like telling the receptionist the whole story of why I have to change. And she's like, OK, that's 100%. fine. I just need to get you rescheduled. She's like, I don't really <laughs> yes, care. I do not care. Let's just get you rescheduled. But I think that sometimes we do feel like we need to go ahead of the thing that's happening and kind of explain mm-hmm. and like this is and of course you have freedom to do that. But I do think that before you start to try to explain or have these conversations with other people, I think we got to start with the question ourselves. Who am I yes. if I'm not this? And it's certainly something you can mull over on your own. You can journal. I love journaling. A big fan of it. Do a lot of journaling as I grapple with big questions. Maybe take some inventory of your life. You could do some contemplative prayer where it's kind of like you, but it's maybe a conversation with God or, you know, whatever higher universal power you want to turn to. Or it's something you could choose to do with others in the form of like therapy or, you know, talking things through with a close friend or a partner or a sibling, someone who knows you well. I think starting with just that question for yourself before you start to try to explain it to others, Kelly, is kind of like feels like more foundational. Right. And I was thinking that in the same vein that we talked about in the first half of the show, that these things aren't bad things. Right. You know, that lots of times the ways that we identify ourselves are natural and good. But when it changes, that's what we're talking about, right? Is that transition. Maybe it's possible to look at those things and say, like, what is the essence of this? Yes. That might still be me. Right. So I was imagining for teachers 
you know, like, so if you're not going to be in a classroom anymore, first of all, like, let's just acknowledge there's some grief there. You know, like it's possible that if these are decisions that things have come up and it's not necessarily what you wanted, but it's what is needed, there's some grief. So we're just going to say, obviously that's valid Mm -hmm. and feeling sad about it. Yes. It's fine. Like Mm -hmm. you should, you should take the time to say that this is not where I thought I would be. Yes. Right. Yes. But then to say, okay, what is the essence of what I enjoyed about this job? Was it working with kids? Was it seeing the light bulbs go on? Like that idea of being like, I'm still a teacher. Yes. Even if I'm not in a classroom, like I can still be the person, maybe I'm going to go work at Trader Joe's, but I'm going to be the person who really helps the new people as they come on, Yes. you know, or maybe I'm going to help my new um, job come up with good systems Mm -hmm. because I know how to break it down and how to make it relatable to people. Or maybe I'm going to go work at a daycare yeah, because I just want to work with kids and not have to be responsible for also their, you know, ACT test, you know, like there might be something else that you can find and be like, what the thing that really drew me to this is this quality about myself, right? Yeah. That this is what brings me life or this is how I'm wired. Mm -hmm. And so I can still take that away specifically from a job, I can still take that idea and invest it somewhere else. Yes. So, you know, like for me being a journalist, if you will, the thing that motivates that is curiosity and learning. Yeah. So like I have thought before, and even the job that I do now is like one step away from the day-to-day newsroom. And so I've thought like what, maybe someday I'll end up just working on a podcast or something that is even not related to news, that's more content creation. I'm okay with that because what I'm learning is like the joy for me in the job is the curiosity, it is the learning, and it is the getting to finding a creative way to share yes. what I'm learning. Right. So in that way, like I'm trying to find what is the essence of the thing that still I do identify myself as right now, and it is important and, and I do like it. But like if I boil it down, those things about me, my identity, they don't change yes. from, I mean, I'm still curious in teaching and learning in my role as a mom. Yeah. You know, like, so I take that with me everywhere I go. I think that is so right. That's exactly what I was going to suggest as well. I read an article at the website, Well and Good, and it's by Corin Miller, and it's literally 13 steps for finding yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one of the things that she suggests is to think back to a time when you felt really comfortable in your own skin or to think about a time when you just like felt you were in flow. Now, I do know for me, and I've said this before on the podcast, I will say it again. The very first time that I stood up to teach a class as a student teacher, I hadn't even graduated yet. I was doing my student teaching, seventh grade, English language arts. I felt so in flow. I felt so natural. And so I can go back. That was such a pivotal moment for me, even though I haven't been in the classroom in like 17 years. I am so, I know in my core that teaching is something that is part of who I am. And so that has translated into lots of different applications through the years. I've taught church classes and, you know, done small groups and and those types of things where there's still some of those skills that it's actually like the part of teaching where you're standing up and presenting material to people. I can still pursue that even if that is not my income earning job. Right. And in a sense, there's part of creating this podcast that's got a little, you know, yep. like a little, oh, absolutely. a little of that DNA is teaching as we come and share with you guys each week. And so I think for any of us, if we can think about those times when you really felt like you were in flow, where it just felt so natural. And if you haven't experienced that, maybe this is a great time for you to start to get curious about like, 
what could I try? What am I interested in? One of the other suggestions from that article is to practice mindfulness and a big part of mindfulness, a big part of the practice of it is to just notice when you're having big feelings, big responses to something, whether they're big negative responses or big positive responses. And one of the suggestions in that article is to, okay, notice like you're having a big response, a big emotional response to a thing. Well, ask yourself why, and then keep asking yourself, why am I responding to it like this? Listen to your answer, maybe journal it, whatever. And then ask yourself again, do that process like five times on the same topic, that same emotional response. Keep just peeling back those layers until you can really get to the core of what is this telling me about myself that I'm having such a big response? Again, could be positive, might be negative. As topics come across your radar, whether it's on social media or maybe a conversation comes up, just whatever the context is, as you are listening to your body, practicing mindfulness, noticing if your heart rate is speeding up, if your hands kind of start shaking, if you are getting a little sweaty, if you get that sensation in your body of a big response, use that as an indicator. Okay, I'm onto something here. Let's peel back the layers and find out what this is about. Absolutely. And then finally, Kelly, I do think that as I've thought about this and just what has been so helpful to me and what I would really want our awesomes to know is to really consider like, this is a process for you primarily, but you Mm. don't have to come up with like some big personal mission statement or like, The definition of who you are, because A, as you and I both know, we've lived some life, it's going to change again, you know, like it's going to shift this time. But guess what? On down the road, you're going to find it shifts again. And so it's not about coming up with a big mission statement that's like this formal process. Daisy is about to start her senior year. She's going to do some concurrent enrollment at a local university. And one of the things that she had to do as part of her application was like, write like a personal statement. And she like freaked all the way out. (laughs) I kept trying to tell her like, this doesn't have to be like defining the very essence of who you are as a human being on this planet. Right. Like like you can't change it. Yeah. Like this is, you're putting it down. Now it goes in your permanent record. Right, 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 right. Yes. I was Mm -hmm. like, Let's dial it back a little bit and let's kind of, Mm. you know, craft something that's focused on what you hope to do through this class at this university. This is not the defining measure of who you are when you're writing a personal statement. And I would say the same about this. This is a time to explore, to get curious with yourself, maybe practice some radical self-care and chase after fun to see if you can kind of uncover what it is about my identity that I'm wanting to learn more about. How can I learn more about myself in this moment? It can really help it to think about as just like a building up of the core of who you are. You, who you are in your essence, it's already you. Right. That's It's already there. It's already within you. And knowing yourself inwardly, ultimately, instead of being able to have like, this is my formal personal mission statement in life, rather than that, when you know yourself intimately and you have answered some of these questions about who you are, it's going to help you find alignment with the things that you do want to do outwardly. Yes. So Mm -hmm. for me, like after the twins were born and I was like going through this crisis and I kind of worked through it and looking back on it, I discovered that what drew me to natural family parenting or being a crunchy mom in the beginning It wasn't actually just the practices. It helped me as I kind of investigated and got curious about it. I realized it's a core value of mine that my children know they're loved, that they feel cherished and cared for, 
and that they are nourished in the best ways that I can provide. And so at the end of the process, I was able to know myself better to know I'm a nurturing person. That is a core part of who I am. Nurturing is important to me. So that knowing that about myself helps me make better choices about how then I invest my time and energy. If it's creating a podcast in a community that I can nurture, you know, virtually, there's that. Or if it's in the nitty gritty of parenting around here, the daily decisions I make with my kids, it it comes back to this part of my personal ethos that nurturing people is important to me. And I wouldn't have been able to discover that if I was stayed hung up on, oh, this is just a set of practices, right? Right. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? I think the sets of practices, the roles that we inhabit often point back to something. So we have to discover what that core is. And I was trying to think of some other words. Actually, this might be a good practice in the hangout. Maybe people can come and give us some different words that you think are some essence words for you. Like I was thinking about the word creator Mm, mm -hmm. because people are often creators. They like to make something, whether it's tangible or it's digital, they want to make something. And I was listening to a podcast over the weekend and it was just like a Q and A and somebody said, what are you excited about this year? And one of the podcast hosts said, I want to make a puppet. But it was because he said, I am a creator. And a lot of what I do in the podcast, it's like businessy sorts of things is what's been occupying my time. Right. And I recognize that if I'm not making something, there's a part of me that's not being fed. Mm. And of course, so if you're a creator, there's so many different ways you can create. Yeah. So saying like, what is going to feed that? Maybe you're a competitor. Mm-hmm. That's a different sort of like, not necessarily that you can't be both, but you know, it's like what is going to feed that? competition in you. Yeah. You're like, do you need to go find some Tough mutters? Yeah. Instead of being competitive in the boardroom, you know, right. or like at your law office or something like it. So now you're a stay-at-home mom and you're like, I feel so like, where's the competition? You know, where am I like striving for something? Okay. Maybe you can go find something else that will allow you to feel like you're competing and you're setting goals and you're attaining them and it gives you that satisfaction. So finding what that is that made that role or that identity so life-giving for you, like at the core, what is it and how can you still use it? Yes. Yeah. I think that's so true. Yeah. It is about uncovering the things that are already there and thinking about them in different contexts. Yes. Yeah. So that you don't like, if you are leaving a job that is really important to you and you feel like, I just don't know what I'm going to do without this work in my life being able to think about how it just, it can translate into different things and different expressions. One more book, we've talked a lot about books and you know, we'll have links in the show notes for you guys. One more book I want to suggest that kind of goes under the radar, but I think can be really helpful if you are in this moment right now of like, I don't even know what I'm about. Like I wouldn't know where to start. Jen Fulweiler is a writer, speaker. She's now a stand-up comedian. She wrote a book a couple of years ago called Your Blue Flame. And the subtitle is Drop the Guilt and Do What Makes You Come Alive. Now, Jen is, she's Catholic. And so there's definitely some talk about like God and discovering what makes you come alive and how that translates into bringing goodness and beauty to the world around you. But even if that is not how you identify, I do think it's incredibly approachable. And she's very funny. Like her blue flame, she discovered after years of writing and speaking, she discovered like, I want to do, I want to do stand-up comedy. And she just fully went for it. And now she's selling out venues and doing multiple tours and all of these appearances and stuff because she like discovered like, this is what really lights me up is the comedy thing. And she's been great at it. And so 
Again, the book is called Your Blue Flame, and I would highly recommend it for any time you're in that moment of just being like, I just, I don't even know. I don't even know where I would start with this. I think it'll get your wheels turning in terms of what it is that lights you up. So, okay. So that reminded me, I'm going to recommend a book too. Okay. Let's, let's Yay. just fill up the all the books here. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> this one is called True You. It's also one that comes from kind of a Christian perspective. It's by one of my favorite writers, Michelle Derusha. It's called True You, Letting Go of Your False Self to Uncover the Person God Created. So it's another one that you could really tackle to say, I just don't know where to start with this. And like, where am I and all of this stuff that's just about achievement or producing? Yeah. Maybe these are some decisions like we've mentioned that life has made for you that you have not Mm -hmm. wanted. It's a really gentle, wonderful, affirming book to come alongside and say, hey, we've all been there. How do we get to the true version of ourselves? The one that is loved, the one that matters, whether we produce or not, whether we fit into the boxes that society wants us to be in or not. So True You by Michelle DeRusha is another one. And then, Meg, I have to say one more thing before we close. Okay. Yeah. Because I have this, my stage of life, I have kids who are college age, but they're not leaving you guys. Mm -hmm. They're still in my basement. Mm -hmm. We're all still here together. So I have not had to send a kid to college. And part of me is sad because I think that that is another experience. you know, that people have, but I have so many friends who have done that in the last few years Mm -hmm. and are still doing that. And the idea of, especially if you have loved being a mom, seeing that chapter of your book come to a certain kind of close, you know, Mm -hmm. like obviously once you're a parent, you're always a parent, Of course, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, the way that you interact and that very intensive season of being involved on a daily basis and having so much contact starts to change. Yes. And there's some real grief with that when that role changes. And so I remember, we're going to have to put a link to this in the show notes too. This is an almost 10 year old article and it was my kids. So my oldest at the time was 12. So it was really the first time I had thought about the idea of my kids leaving, like really entered into it. It is an article from Slate that Rob Lowe wrote Really? Yes. That Rob Lowe. That Rob Lowe. Literally. (laughs) And at the time, like I hadn't watched, I don't know, like I'd have to go back and look. It was 2014, like where he was, you know, because he had like all of these things in the 80s and 90s. Then he kind of went away for a while and then he came back with Parks and Rec and everything. So I don't know in the world like of his acting, like where this was, but he wrote this article on sending his oldest son to college. And it is so beautiful and so raw. Mm. about how he did not expect mm. yeah. this to hit him and how much it made him realize again, you're like, when you're losing something, you realize how much you love it. Yeah. I'm just going to read this one little paragraph where he's talking about his son is packing and they're getting ready to take him. I think that you know, like they live in California and his son was going to school on the East Coast. So like it was going to be completely different. So he's like now standing among the accumulation of the life of a little boy he no longer is I look at my own young doppelganger because his son looks like him Mm -hmm. and realize it's me who's become a boy again. Mm -hmm. All my heavy chested sadness, loss and longing to hold on to the things as they used to be are back sweeping over me as they did when I was a child because he was a child of divorced parents and talking about how hard those transitions were. So it's a really nostalgic kind of heartbreaking. Like I was sobbing by the end of this article and my kids were in elementary school. (laughs) Yes. But it was partly because it was the first time. And again, I was like, Rob Lowe wrote this? Like, what is oh, happening? What is yes. happening? 
that he's he he was sobbing also. Like I think that's like just reading about someone's real pain. Yeah. So I just want to say if you are that mom or that parent and you're like, I don't want to lose this role. Yeah. Like I don't want to find a different identity Mm -hmm. outside of this because this has been so deeply meaningful to me and so treasured. And this is not my choice. Yeah. You know, like, I don't want it to end. Mm-hmm. And that could be applied to a lot of different things. But I'm just thinking specifically this time of year. If that's you, I just want to say that we see you. We love you. It's okay to grieve because it is something that you're losing. But yeah. also like this, when you're ready to say, but, you know, you are still there. Those yes. experiences of mothering are still with you. And you're going to be able to find this next iteration of you where you're still a mom you're in a different phase of life with your kids and you're going to be able to have those things. What is the essence of what you loved about parenting and finding new ways to, you know, invest that out into the world and to like the way that we do as sort of awesome community, you know, like how can we take this awesome out into the world? So I just wanted to say that because I know so many people right now, their hearts are heavy, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're just feeling like that. Like I'm happy for my kid, but I'm so sad for me. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, I'm holding back all the tears because we are on the cusp of that over here, as you know. So thank you. That was a beautiful benediction, Kelly. Thank Mm -hmm. you for that. So powerful. Thank you all for having this conversation with us. We do treasure the times that you take the time to message and ask us about things. And oftentimes, like I said, our community inspires us in so many ways to have these conversations. And so thank you for trusting us with those things as you do. Kelly, if people want to find you to have more conversations about this or any old thing, where can they find you all around the web? You can find me on my website, which is kellygordonmn.com. So you can find recipes there and that sort of thing, links to social media if you want to find me. Otherwise, you're going to find me on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly Gordon MN as well. Okay. You can find me at Sorta Awesome Meg. Find the show by searching Sorta Awesome on whatever platform you're on. Go get signed up to become a superstar. Read our Benedict Cumberbatch book. (laughs) I promise you do not have to be into him as a person to really get a lot out of this book. I'm so excited about it. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see y'all next time. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.